0: Join Sports Cage's Michael Ball for CAA Travels Ultimate Sports Trip December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games, the Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers. Plus, a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games, all for just $24.99 per person. Taxes included, based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip.
1: Welcome to another week of sports talk here in the province and get your texts ready and phone calls every Monday. The coach is with us coach Craig Dickinson. Hopefully he's in good health. He sure wasn't on game day and the night before he'll tell us in <laughs> as small a description as possible. Hopefully how sick he was that team was a mess a uh, little bit of overreaction monday as it relates to the riders yes they got smoked yes the bombers beat them but that was like think of the worst stomach ache you've ever had in your life you're on the bathroom i've been on on a on a toilet doing both things in the sink and in the toilet at the same time and that's what a lot of riders are doing and i'll tell you what i just wanted to go back to bed and do nothing L- 15 of those guys played football Oh, man. 15 of them played football. So for them to even hang around to like... It was like, uh, tw- uh, what was it, 27-17, Th- 30-20 uh, at one point, and then they went down to defeat 54-20. to 20. So I'm, I'm throwing that one out the window. Now, does it cover up for some of their mistakes? No, but we have a lot of overreaction from fans. And no, that's not me carrying water for the team. Uh, listen, I said all along, you guys, you just have to find the tape from like five weeks ago. Who said the Riders would win the East and go through in a crossover? And they're still on track for that. All they have to do is somehow stay healthy for a big stretch, whether it's sickness or injuries. They have to shore up that offensive line enough to go on a bit of a run here. Probably have to win three games, 9-9, and comfortably in the... um, in the fourth spot now you'll say well but bc could go crossover because if i'm either bc or the riders that's how i want to go right now and bc's undoing will be they beat us right i think the first tiebreakers head to head they beat us two games to one so there you go anyway. the
2: worst riders loss since the year 2000 i think i read points wise so that was a tough pill to swallow still thinking about it not over it quite yet but
1: Yeah, but dude, but that was you can't even. I know, I can't even. uh, Whatever, it is. It's. It's. I'll tell you one thing about Winnipeg too, if I could point this out, okay? okay. Um uh, their stadium is loud because they've got the tin roof that keeps everything in, and the one thing I do like about their stadium, as opposed to ours, I don't like it better than ours, but one thing I do like about their stadium, it has an NFL feel to it in that it's tight to the field. Mm. Like, it's pretty tight to the field. It feels like the, they're on top of you. you kind You don't get that as much at Mosaic Stadium, so... There's that. The other thing is, give me the ring road train every day of the week and twice on Sunday as opposed to whatever the hell that was in front of our hotel, the Fairmont. Portage in Maine is a disaster. Like They they haven't figured out crosswalks in Winnipeg. I, I didn't even know how this worked. So I walked out of my hotel to walk around. I ran through traffic like, like uh, that game Centipede when you try to get through without getting killed. And then I realized you had to go underground in the tunnel. I'm not going underground in Winnipeg. I'm going to go underground. Oh God, it's nice and clean down there. I would rather get hit by a car than the opportunity to get stabbed in a tunnel. Crazy. Like, they can't even figure that out. Give me a break. Anyway... Um, A couple NFL things we want to get to. Russell Wilson returns to Seattle today to take on the Seahawks. First game as a Broncos quarterback. He better be ready to go because they have quite an arms race in the AFC West. Justin Herbert at 279 yards passing, three touchdowns. Chargers beat the Raiders 24-19. And how about Patrick Mahomes? Herbert, Burrow, this guy, that guy. He's like, suck it. Five (laughs) touchdown passes. Five He's 5-0 and oh in f- week one games. He has 18 touchdown passes and these many interceptions. Take all the interceptions in the world and take them all away, and that's how many he has. I had to wear, wear my glasses openers.
2: today. Is that a zero? It's a zero. A zero. Yeah. zero.
1: Uh, also, um, we know Steelers linebacker TJ Watt has a torn pec. He's trying to get second and a third opinion that to see how long sucks. he's going to be up for. Yeah, so he's out. And Dak Prescott is out six to eight weeks with a broken passing thumb. Now, Zinger, here's a question for our text line at 936 for you NFL fans out there. Will, which injury will affect uh, their team more? TJ Watt with Pittsburgh, they've got Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, or Dak Prescott out of the lineup? It's not as easy as you'd think. Because T.J. Watt is a game changer. Dak Prescott had a leaky offensive line and only one receiver right now.
2: Still going to have to lean towards probably the Cowboys. But it's
1: not as... It, it's not, Yeah, it's not as...
2: You know, as you think, but I mean, come on, who the Cowboys got a quarterback now?
1: Did you watch that Cincy Pittsburgh game? Nobody they wanted blew to blew it.
2: Nobody wanted to win that game. How do you, how can you miss a point after because to win
1: a football? I know the
2: I know the snapper was out he snapped back a muffin and threw off. the Did timing you see to everything. that
1: snap? You could have timed it with a sundial. <laughs> that was like a high school, like you'd see in the R.M.F. What's that guy doing on an NFL team as a backup long snapper? Still figure it out and make the pat embarrassing. Anyway. Uh, yeah, lots to get to today. We also have uh, to tell you the Jays open up a juicy series with Tampa. Oh, yeah. They lost their uh, series finale in Texas, four to one. The BC Lions have named the new starting quarterback Vernon Adams will get the start against the Calgary Stampeders. All right, uh, before we get to our rewind and our. Uh, star the really only one of the game from that labor day rematch let's go out to our friend cory in weyburn who is uh, really becoming a mainstay here opening up monday shows go ahead cory what do you got hey i
3: figured why not hey it, it's a good it's a good call in show to call into i i wish for once we didn't have to vent wouldn't that be an, a novel idea? Yeah, you to be know, able to gloat on a Monday. You know morning, what's
1: bad, Corey? Or I a check, I check this out, buddy. Check this out. The Riders, since starting, I think four and one are two and six. That's the worst record in the league, behind Ottawa and Hamilton in terms of wins and losses in that I got stretch. Th-
3: yeah, no, uh, you're preaching to the choir, buddy. Uh, I got a few things I want to get off my chest. First thing, though. You you struck a chord, Winnipeg. As a media guy, as a media guy, you people wouldn't, I, I sound like Don Cherry, you people, you wouldn't see what the average fan sees. It is beyond terrible, capital letter terrible, going to a game at that stadium. Mm. The, the What you want, you, you might call it, I have been spit on, I've had beer thrown on me, I've been threatened to be stabbed. Most of that happened at Boston Pizza. Because <laughs> it's a garbage, and capital letter, garbage city. And the CFL <laughs> needs to do away with that banjo bowl nonsense. And I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed of any, any man or woman that calls himself a rider fan who shows up there in a banjo. That is the most stupid, insulting, self insulting thing you could do. If there's rider, I'm going to tell these people, Corey is going to school you. If there are rider fans on TV, mostly, or what looks like rider fans doing that, they're Winnipeg fans laughing at us, people. Don't go there and embrace it. Go there and slap them in the mouth.
1: Well, here's the thing. I don't. I, like Riders
3: should try to do one uh, of these guys. I, I
1: I get what you're saying. The sentiment. I wouldn't want to see anybody do that and start a fight. But that's why I was on the air and all the time calling it the Labor Day rematch. Why are we buying into Thank that? You. Making fun of ourselves makes it stupid. Yeah.
3: It's and he, and I saw a couple of these supposed, and I'm gonna do the quotes. Rider fans. They think they're super fans. Dressed like that, you look like a doughhead head. You're playing right into them.
1: Okay, so Corey. But are you, you Cory Corey, Corey, please. I would not, Corey, please don't be one of those guys though that overreacts to like. I know you got some uh, legitimate beefs, but I, I'm going to tell you as a guy that flew back on the plane and had dudes in front of me puking in bags. Let's not overreact on this loss in Winnipeg. That was a throwaway game.
3: Well, it was, but uh, I don't think healthy, healthy. We would have won. This team is not well prepared by this coaching staff. Hmm. I am. I and I know you and Dickie are friends, and that's yeah. cool. And I like Dickey. I like him. But I am sick of He's starting to turn into a reenactment of Jim Daly with excuses. Why, oh, why did, would they get rid of, now we, let's get into this, why would they get rid of Marino at this stage in the game? Well, If you were going to cut the man, you should have cut him after the whole incident happened, and you would have saved some salary. Now, oh, guess who won? The Woke. The Woker winning again.
1: Well, I, yeah, I don't know exactly what happened there. All I can tell you, Corey, is in talking to players and even a couple of select coaches, nobody was happy that Garrett Moreno was released. So I don't know and, how you.
3: And it's not like our defense wouldn't have used the help on Saturday.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. They got gashed. But, I will. But you know,
3: the, yeah. and the, my final thing, because I, I, I you, yep. hey, you got a big show. I'm going to let you go. No, but, no, no. It's fine. What I want to say. What is Duke Williams still doing employed by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? You're going to get rid of Marino, but you're not going to get rid of Duke Williams, who costs us now when he's not dressed.
1: Yeah, you know, Corey. uh,
3: And you know, uh, Yeah. a month ago, a month ago, I phoned in after a game, and I was mad at him that game. This so is like a month or month. They laughed at me. They called me Chicken Little. I said he that man should go. He ain't worth two hundred and fifty. They they totally disparaged what I said. Funny though, in the last two weeks, now Corey looks like a genius to
1: them. Yeah, well, so Corey, uh, I always knew you're a smart football fan, and you put your money where your mouth is. Uh, but I, I will say this: I I'm kind of racking my brain there. There's two schools of theory for me, not from anybody else. Number one. If he's on your team, he can't be on anybody else's team. So if you don't dress him and he's on your team, he can't hurt you. Okay, that's the one thing I think. Right? If they six man him, okay. Well, they if they if six man him, maybe they will. Okay, I get that. That's why he's, I'm just my theory why he's still on the team the other th- the other reason maybe why he's on the team, you play him for a couple of games, maybe he has a couple of big games and you decide okay we're going to keep him because maybe he could be a difference maker or hey now we can trade him before the trade deadline and get something back for him because you wouldn't have got yeah, much for Garrett Marino, I don't know this for a fact, nobody's told me this I am reading the tea leaves, maybe I'm reading them wrong but it's kind of um, ironic that the commissioner has a memo come up out. he's at the game and a memo comes out the day after or the same day Marino gets cut so it's like hey guys you better get rid of him because if you don't we're doing something I'm just saying that nobody told me that I don't know as far as Duke Williams those are the only two things I can think they're going to give him one more chance as the coach said and maybe that one more chance is to trade him but nobody's told me that I'm just uh I'm just assuming
3: I I don't like this whole idea that every guy who's not dressed now can't be on the sidelines? Because Vaughn is like the best cheerleader in history.
1: Well, you would know you're there.
3: Section. Yeah, he pumps up our section like I've never seen another player in history. But beyond that, guys like Charleston Hughes, Charleston should be a defensive line coach and will be someday. Guaranteed, will be. So why would you not have him on the sidelines? You're going to have a doughhead doing things? Kick him off.
1: Nah, don't you, kick
3: everybody off. If somebody misbehaved on the school bus, we all didn't get kicked off, just I did.
1: <laughs> You're the best, Corey. Take care, man. Thanks for listening. I appreciate that, man. That's good. That guy could have his own show. All right. Uh let's get to we do this every week after a rider game. Let's get to I, I know we don't want to, but we gotta stay consistent. Let's take a trip down audio memory lane. Olivera to the right of the quarterback, Calaro, So where's number eight. Takes the shotgun, snap, backpedals, three steps, looks to his right, throws a side armor. It's caught! Touchdown! Nick Dembski running the in-cut right of the goal post. Olivera motions out to the right. Prukov keeps dives, and he hurdles into the end zone over Milligan for a second. Blue Bombers touchdown. Cody takes a shotgun, snap, looks left all the way, throws down the middle. It's caught on the run. It's Kyron Moore, and Kyron Moore will take it near midfield at about the fifth for an in-cut, here's a shotgun for Cody, looking right, throws, complete, Shaq on the slant, he's the master of the slant, and he's back, and he's got a first down of the 31, Cody keeps it, Cody fighting hard, Cody
4: lunges the ball to the goal line, touchdown! Saskatchewan. yeah and this time cody goes over the right guard kolaros
1: throws underneath complete to Demski the five at the goal line he's in for his second touchdown of the game nick Demski slams the ball with authority here is kolaros looking throws underneath that one is caught by bailey running to his right 20 15 to the 10 to the five they're called it a touchdown yeah this one is from 53 to end the half on the far Right hash, Brett Lother. he will make this, I have confidence. Here's the snap, the hold, the kick is on the way from Lothar, end over end towards the yellow goal post, yep. and he knocked it through. Here's the kickoff down to Alford, takes it in his belly at the 20, running to his left across the 25, 30, 35, trying to go to the numbers, 40, 45, 50, he's on the run, past Leggio, far sideline, he's gonna score! Mario Alford all the way home! 90 yards! Touchdown! Saskatchewan! Well, you saw the 33 yard attempt out of the hole of Bedvick on the far left hash. The kick from left to right is up to the uprights, and it's good. Throwing near the far sideline, complete, and a touchdown! Brendan O'Leary, Orange! Here's Cody, backpedaling. Hit as he throws, the ball is loose! And the Bombers have it! It's recovered by Jeff Coates! Well, as Cody got smoked as he tried to throw it. Uh, Brew cops in the game, he'll keep it. Trying for a second, touchdown of the game. And I do believe, judging by the cheers, he has it, and he does. As the official's arms are extended, and Shaq wasn't ready for it, it was high. Picked off, this one's coming back down the left sideline. Winston Rose is forced out by a pair of Rider offensive linemen, including Evan Johnson. Brown rolling out to his right, throws to the corner of the end zone. That's a touchdown for Sean. And don't think the Saskatchewan Roughriders don't remember that challenge at the end of the game and the touchdown pass to rub it in. They get the Bombers one more time and hopefully two more times this season. One of those would be in the playoffs, but that is not a sure thing. For Winnipeg, it is, not for Saskatchewan. We didn't have any defensive game stars. I would say we didn't really have an offensive game star, but we did have one game star.
4: He was Mario Alford man you know uh, a great touchdown run to begin the third quarter um but just talk about the energy in the locker room man how do you what are the guys going
5: through uh you know it's tough man when you know last week especially last week you know we supposed to want to beat them guys and everybody know we know it then coming here today and just you know just letting them whoop on us like that but you know we're gonna live and we're gonna fight another day so um you know we down obviously losing is not fun so we just got to pick each other up and, and get get on this winning streak.
4: You know, you returned one today again, but you've been close a, a few times here since the last time you returned it. Are you seeing things a little bit easier right now? Like, what is the key here?
5: Oh, it's just vision and trusting the guys' blocks. The guys is, is blocking their, their butt off. And uh, I'm just seeing it well and trusting it. When you lose like
4: this obviously you know you, you go but talk to me about how you turn it around right coach talks about focusing on technique next week in practice what do you think
5: yeah it's all about technique and you gotta have that grit you know even though we came out we were still in this game in the second half when I scored that touchdown we, we was way in the game but um just gotta find it man. find that grit in us and uh gotta regroup like coach just said and um just come back and, and just keep working
4: talks about doing a little bit more indie work in practice, right? Was there anything that you felt like was lacking?
5: Mm, No. I just think they just came out better than us today. And um, we work hard every day. I don't I don't think it's is our work ethic. It never will be our work ethic. I just they were the better team tonight, so they they came out on top.
4: And how are you feeling, man? This 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 flu or whatever it is is just ravages this team. You feel like
5: on you're on top of things? Um, I mean, I fought I fought it today. I was I was not feeling well um, since this morning. Came in, I had doubts I'm not playing, but I played and I and I fought, so um, I'm I'm okay now.
1: Thank God that guy's on our team. That was a good move by Jeremy O'Day. Late round draft pick for him. When we come back, football weekend in Saskatchewan. Talking on the other side of 430, Tyrone Poole will join us. He is a two-time Super Bowl champ. We'll talk some NFL football as week one is in the books. This is the Sports Cage. It's brought to you by our friends at Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM.
6: It could be a punt
2: or any way they want it.
7: They hand it off again. Likert up the middle. Touchdown. The Regina thunder roar in overtime to a big win over the hilltops
1: setting up a juicy game here 1 o'clock Saturday the second of 3 football weekend in Saskatchewan thunder win 29-21 29-21 in overtime. They made him go for two in overtime, which is weird. Isaac Ford had seven grabs for 123 yards and became the second leading receiver in Thunder history, passing Colton Solomon with 2,067 yards. Not bad for a kid that was told he's too small. So uh, that's one element The football weekend in Saskatchewan. Another one, another juicy game, the wrap-up to the football weekend in Saskatchewan, because it starts with the Riders' Elks, goes to Thunder and Hilltops. Going to be called on these airwaves by our buddy, Sean Kleisinger, who is prepping like Al Michaels. He's going to do a great job with the Ryan Hall, former uh, uh, Campbell collegiate, provincial winning coach, my old teammate with the Rams. I think I played against him in high school, actually. No, you didn't. He's yeah. older than me. Ryan no, Hall. no, no. Like Ball. he was coaching. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> no, oh, you didn't. We didn't play again. Yeah, I know you I did I played like he was the coach of flammable. Funny Story, Ryan Hall, Michael Ball. They made me take number 10. I was number 9 in high school, but they made me take number 10 because I was replacing Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall, Michael Ball. They just had to change the B and the H. Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> radar, radar, our equipment <laughs> guy, was too cheap, so he just took a B and an H, switched them out. You got number 10, ballsy. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So the how about this answer Andrew Bennett, dude, for the second straight week, he's the Canwest Defensive Player of the Week. He had a pick six for a touchdown and another sack.
0: The backfield empties out and that's
1: where he looks. Oh, it's going to be intercepted. Who else has it? It's Anthony Bennett. What can't this kid do? Maybe pass a football. I can tell you who could pass a football. Mason Nias, 362 more big yards through the air, and two touchdown passes, including this one.
6: Takes the hit. First down, Saskatchewan. Fake the handoff to Frank. Nias has a man over the middle. Up, Caught. Touchdown. Vavra, you make the play, you get the rock again in the end zone, and the Huskies build upon their lead with a nice little pitch and catch of 29 yards.
1: That was Dave Thomas, Darren DuPont. Before that, thanks to Can West Network for that audio and uh, the PFC app for the audio of the Thunder Hilltops game. Are you a pump buddy to call the game or what? Oh, I cannot wait, man. going to be good. It looked like you watched that game. That was a great I comeback.
2: Watched it. Tom Sargent, the first possession of overtime, instead of kicking the field goal, he decided to go for it on uh, third and short inside the Thunder like 5-yard line. It was an incomplete pass, so all the Thunder needed to do was kick a field goal, but they got a
1: touchdown instead. I was surprised about that, but... Uh, I can't wait for the rematch here, man. It's gonna be great. Uh, Hilltops are gonna be smarting. They're uh, two and two, I believe, in the Regina Thunder now. Yep. Four and zero on the season. So uh, th- that's how it shakes down. So we got the Riders and the Elks. Chris Jones comes back to town. Riders can officially eliminate Edmonton for playoff contention. Jones first game back in Regina since he bolted for Cleveland. So that's a good one. And we know the Heat's on the Riders, so that's a juicy one. Thunder Hilltops with Ryan Hall and our own Sean Kleisinger on the call. One to four on Saturday. we got a special sports cage, live on location from 4 to 6.30, which rolls into the Pete Pasco Daniela Ponticelli broadcast. Regina Rams, U of S Huskies, a battle of two 2-0 two teams. Bad news for the Rams, though, and I feel just sick to my stomach for oh. Kyle Borsa. Non-contact, ACL torn, tore his ACL, ACL injury, gone for the season, and that's most likely his Football career.
2: I felt sick looking. Out. I was up in the box looking with my binoculars right yeah. after that play happened. I just felt so ill. Yeah, there's like a his guy... face was just like absolute despair. And I just thought to myself, man, like this guy is not catching a break. And now
1: his season's probably over. No CFL team's going to want him now. It's a, cr- it's a cruel, cruel sport, Ugh. man. And I'll tell you what, there's a guy. Because he had to wait behind Atlee Simon, because of injury, because of suspension, his own doing, he just never got off the ground. He was like a fighter jet that just could barely get off the the runway. So uh, I don't know, man. Hopefully, at some point, you got to make a decision with your life. He's going to graduate, get a teaching job, be a a physical education teacher and a football coach. That's his... Dream outside of football, so hopefully he can, uh, you know, coach the stars of tomorrow today. Before we go to break and get the Tyrone pool, got a couple of texts. there, Zinger?
2: yeah, we got Ryan on the text line. He says, uh, "Well, first we were asking the question, who's who's it going to hurt more, T.J. Watt down for the Steelers or Dak Prescott for the Cowboys?" Ryan says, "Dak for sure. Dallas is uh, screwed with them, but uh, way worse without him. <laughs> That's uh, good. And then he said, uh, "Falcons blew it too. Abysmal." Uh, Sunday for yeah, a but couple we teams. expect
1: the Falcons to tank. You don't, but everybody else did.
2: I'm going back on that. I they suck. Why am I why am I showing like life for the Falcons? Yeah, like, the, that's, that, that does make sense. Blocked field goal. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, uh, we got another text here that says another huge reason that IG Stadium or IG Field is louder than Mosaic is because Winnipeg allows their fans to bring horns into the stadium, whereas Mosaic does not. That was a COVID protocol the riders have brought in uh, last year. And then the texter goes on to say no other CFL team has such a protocol. So is that still true? No horns and stuff? I, I don't know. I, uh, I know
1: our buddy Corey there likes to bring a flag in and they won't let him bring a, a rider flag Well, let in.
2: the horns back in, you know? Let the yeah. horns, the cowbells. Yeah, what
1: we want. Don't we want noise in the I stands? I don't know.
2: I think that's what we want want. We want a lot of atmosphere. That alouette horn is annoying. Yeah, uh, We got another one here that Brian says, hey Zinger. Oh boy, here we go. How did you uh, like the Vikes kicking Rodgers and the Packers butt yesterday? Go Vikes. uh, North champs this year. And then he goes on to say, I know you will have a bunch of smart uh, bleep comments behind your mic. Hey, all I have to say is, yeah, the Vikings, they, they beat the hell out of the Packers yesterday. So you can hang your Banner, you guys won a regular season game, congrats. But at the end of the day, it's uh, you guys aren't going to win the North. It's going to be like every other year, you know? The Viking fans and their people around Minnesota think they're going to oh. do good, and then... I do want Down, to say, go.
1: when we come back with Tyrone Poole on the other side, there was the opening play for the Packers oh. in that game with Watson, the NDSU receiver. The speedster got behind everybody and dropped it. Can you imagine? We'll talk about that and much, much more with Tyrone Poole oh. on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime A great time to order Western Pizza. And a reminder, keep your texts coming at 936 Our text line's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Get your texts ready for Coach Dickinson. He's on after 5. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited. Let's quickly hop out on the Western Pizza Hotline week one for Sunday action and Thursday night action in the books we got the Monday night game tonight. The Seattle Seahawks hosting Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. Guy who played, started 12 years in the defensive secondary in the NFL. Two-time Super Bowl champ. He's been on the show a couple of times, and we like having him back because he's real good. Tyrone Poole. He's got uh, supplements. He's got a book. He's a motivational speaker. We'll get into that motivational speaking uh, thing at the end here, Tyrone, as we got you for a couple of segments. Okay, so TJ Watt wrecks his pec muscle. We're not sure how long he's out because he's looking for a second and a third opinion. I think he's just trying to find a doctor that's going to tell him what he wants to hear. And Dak Prescott is out with a broken thumb. Which injury affects the team more? Prescott's to Dallas or TJ Watt to Pittsburgh? And I would say it's not as dumb a question as you think. Yeah,
8: well, I, I, I think that is a question that basically has an A and a Z appearance on my scale, A being the top, Z being the bottom, but it has to be the quarterback. You mm-hmm. know, the quarterback, there's one person that controls 10 other people, and then you have a person on the defensive side that's doing they, – they basically are just doing uh, one out of 11 responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So – I think the quarterback is definitely uh, the biggest blow here. And the Cowboys, uh, they have not too many options out there. Uh, you know, I don't know if, if they're going to kick Cam Newton tires around. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know how much he has in the tank. Um, then there's talk of Jimmy Garofalo trade, which if I'm Jimmy, I don't think I'd do that. Um You know, just from the simple fact that you know you're probably not going to be with the Cowboys uh, because if Dak Prescott is the quarterback, which he just got paid, then you know they're not looking to um, uh, spend any money unless they find somebody who will trade for Dak Prescott if Jimmy Garofalo comes on that strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, there's not too many options out there. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, uh, kick his tires around. So, uh, who knows? could bring back dan marino
1: how about old man rivers philip rivers was like he last year he's like you know what i'm coaching high school football but uh, i'd be willing to come back to the colts remember when they had the wentz injury uh i mean philip rivers is a guy that uh, you play that long in the league you're not that far removed you could come back and do something
8: but uh, there, there are options out there but the key is who can come in and give you some quality wins regardless if it's philip rivers to anybody uh they got to come in and first they have to adjust to whatever the system is yeah. and that may uh they that may cost them a couple of weeks or depending on how studious the quarterback is so either way they're going to probably uh, go with rush uh this week and uh Whoever they bring in would be considered the backup. Now they learn the playbook.
1: Now, Tyrone, I, I I don't want to lose all credibility with you because you don't know me that well. You're probably in the other end going, This guy's an idiot. He picked a quarterback <laughs> over a D lineman. But here was my here was my thought process, okay? I'll watch that Pittsburgh Cincy game. Joe Burrow played the worst game he's ever played. Four interceptions, fumbled once, was sacked seven times, and Cincinnati was a blocked extra point away from winning that thing in regulation time. Where I'm going with this is the Pittsburgh Steelers don't have a quarterback right now. Mitch Trubisky is not a starting quarterback in this league. And T.J. Watt was all over the place. He's unstoppable. So I I, I get what you're saying, and I agree with you, but I don't think it's as dumb a statement as maybe you initially thought think
8: well I, again i think you know when i look at the defense again is 11 guys out there doing their responsibility um that a quarterback being lost is the equivalent to a defensive coordinator uh being lost you know you got that defensive coordinator that's calling the plays for 11 guys to do their responsibility so that's how i see the quarterback that's an extension of the coaches from the sideline. Uh, You can always formulate different defensive game plans to uh, combat what you've lost. You know, maybe Pittsburgh blitzes a little bit more uh, to take up the uh, slack of missing uh, a watch. So uh, defense, you know, you can scheme. But offense, that's the guy, quarterback, who pulls the trigger, who, body in motion.
1: So Green Bay's Christian Watson. He played for NDSU. I watched him in FCS because that's the level my kids playing at. And he's a very fast guy. He was great on uh, off the charts with his combine, but his hands were kind of iffy coming out of NDSU. He's never played on a stage like this. He's lined up against Patrick Peterson, sixty thousand in full throat. The goat, one of the goats of all time, thrown to him. He burns Patrick Peterson out of his shorts. He's wide open, and he drops the pass, and it takes the rest of the game for Rodgers to go back to him. Do you like? I felt for the kid. Do you remember your first play? What's it like to manage those nerves? Well, let me tell you this. Let me go back, and I'm gonna
8: actually give um, you know Christian a little bit of uh, confidence here, and hopefully Aaron Rodgers uh, hears this as well. There was once a great quarterback in San Francisco named Joe Montana. threw a deep ball to a wide receiver named jerry rice who dropped it so yeah you know joe montana probably threw it to dwight clark and freddie solomon and all those guys but at the end of the day you know what we consider jerry rice the greatest ever and i did hear christian say that he's going to build off of this moment so i like his return on the uh, drop pass, so I look for him to have great, great things. But as far as myself, my rookie year, I can remember when we were playing the Philadelphia Eagles um, up in Philadelphia, and uh, I'm a rookie, and uh, Irvin Fryer, I don't know if you got Oh,
1: yeah, Miami Dolphin, New England Patriot, I remember him for sure.
8: Yes, yes, and he was with the Philadelphia Eagles at the time, and it's late in the game, and uh, we're up – this is when I was the Carolina Panthers again, and uh, he ran a twenty-nine, which is a slant and go. And I bit on the slant because that was my speed, you know, my quickness and my speed mm-hmm. was my calling card. So they took advantage of that, just like we talked about Christian, you know, his speed and you know he had some drops, but that could be easily fixed. So that was my. Pretty much my personal was the uh, – I got beat for a touchdown that ended up losing the game. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, heart-wrenching, you know, being a rookie. Uh, but, hey, uh, 12, 12 seasons later, 12 stars later, and two Super Bowl championships later – You know,
1: I'm here to talk about it. Yeah, that's why we have you on, man. Tyrone Poole, one of the greats to play in the NFL and doing good things off the football field now for athletes in all sports. Okay, so what kind of coaching did you respond to? Just hear me out here, okay? In that Vikings-Packers game, and I guess we're talking about that game because it's closest to our region here, but there's other games I want to get to, but... um, Mike Zimmer was uh, a—he's a good coach. He's been around a long time, Vikings, Bengals, but he's a little crusty. He's grumpy. Uh, I don't think Kirk Cousins—he wasn't an offensive guy. I don't think Kirk Cousins responded to that. But this O'Connell guy comes in. He's a little more joyful, it seems. He—if an NFL coach could be joyful. He's a little more laid back. He seems to be more of a—you know—a Kirk Cousins kind of guy. And Cousins looked pretty at ease yesterday in that game, twenty-three. To seven what kind of what kind of coaching did you respond to was it negative what was it like a yeller or was it a a more of a you know an uplifting guy like you are in your own personality yeah
8: you know michael that's a great great question you know players respond to different uh coaches and i do know one thing players respond better when the team is winning (laughs) you know (laughs) but so you have your different (laughs) you have your different type of coaches you know you have your yelling coaches uh um you know you have your coaches that are just calm cool and collective kinder kinder uh gentler type of coach and you just got that smash mouth football coach that like you know he he wants to put on the Equipment as well and get in the game. So, uh, you know, my my response was uh, I like Mike Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan's dad. I mm-hmm. played for Mike Shanahan. And Mike Shanahan, even though he was an offensive-style coach, offensive-minded, his approach was that of the old San Francisco 49ers, Bill Walsh. You know, we're here to do business. I'm going to treat you like men until you break the rules, and then I have to punish you like children. So, you know, I, I, you know you're know, you dealing with grown men here, uh, and sometimes, you know, you get these college coaches that come into the pros, and they still think they're dealing with college kids where they have to yell, yell, but you're dealing with guys who make more money than you. So, I'm like, you should be more of a kinder, kinder, gentler, but be stern, draw that line in the sand. I'm here to be a player's coach. But at the same time, I am your coach. So you want to always get the best out of the players. And sometimes, you know, even your stars got to, as my coach would say one time, you got to stick a rocket uh, up your uh, star players behind, you know, to get them lit and get them going. I know Bill Parcells with the Lawrence Taylor. you know, he wouldn't say it directly, but he'll say it in his presence. You know, like some of us uh, great players need to get out here and get ourselves going, get the team going. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the coach just got to know his place.
1: All right, when we come back, we'll have some more with Tyrone Poole and where you can get him to come to your town and be a motivational speaker because he, you could tell, is good at it. This is the sports cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. 450 with the sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing, Heating and Cooling. They're
2: hiring right now, looking for service technicians. Starting salary $75,000 a year plus a nice signing bonus. You could give them a call. That's 781-2090. So week one in the NFL wraps up tonight, and it's a big one. Russell Wilson returns to Seattle, leading the Denver Broncos, a new era in Denver, with Nathaniel Hackett in charge. It's the Broncos and Seahawks from Lumen Field in Seattle, 6.15 p.m. kickoff.
1: All right, thanks, Zinger. Um, all right, let's get to a Tyrone Poole. We continue our chat with the two-time Super Bowl champ. Um, let me ask you this question. Uh, Greg Popovich, great NBA coach, but he didn't really adapt and now they're pegged for one of the lowest win totals in the NBA this year. I'll watch that New England Patriots game And it was almost unwatchable. You got Matt Patricia, mainly a defensive guy, calling offensive plays. Now, if anybody can be arrogant, it's Bill Belichick. He's got the money. He's got the championships, greatest of all time. But has this game passed him by because he's not willing to adapt? I don't think a coach is just a coach. You can't just put a D coordinator running an offense.
8: Yeah, you know, in in the United States, uh, here in America, the – uh, retirement age is I believe 65 <laughs> yeah. I got a little bit more to go before I get <laughs> <laughs> but that's the average age is 65 and I think Bill is like 70 yeah. and there have been a lot of coaches uh, you know besides him Dick Vermeil, that you know coached uh, uh, in their elderly years so to speak Tom Coughlin so you know in my mind uh, when should a coach retire I think once the 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 team starts to become stagnated uh, for a consistent period of time, you know, I, I think people can look back and say, okay, last year Bill did pretty good uh, with uh, what the Patriots uh, were able to accomplish. So that kind of gives him a little bit of more of a, a, a slack in the leash to see, okay, before people start complaining that he's too old, that, okay, let's continue to see if the Patriots uh, arrive. Now, we all know that the mind, as long as you keep it sharp, you know, it'll actually go forever. I remember Al Davis. Uh, I played with the Raiders as well. Uh, Al Davis, even though in his elderly age, he remembered me when I was a rookie a rookie uh, or at the senior bowl. So that tells me that the mind stays sharp. Now, if you're asking Bill to get out there and backpedal and, yeah. and, and, and catch the ball, then maybe he should have retired years and years ago, but as long as his mind is still sharp, um, he actually has to... the the passion to get up every morning and to put together a great game plan, and he's not just putting anything out there on the field, then I think you continue to coach uh, because at the end of the day, the coaches can come up with the schemes, but the players have to carry the plays out.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, Tyrone Poole, quarterbacks seem to be better faster than they ever have been. Is it because of the rule changes and it's pro-offense?
8: Well, you know, that's another good one, Michael. I'm like, you know, the rules have changed so much over the years. I'm like, I don't think the receivers could have played back in the 70s when you had the male blunts. And I'm like, if I, there, there was no five-yard rule. I'm like, left the haze that would hold you yeah. all the way uh, down the field. But because of the rule changes, uh, you know, that has instituted the uh, air-throwing Uh, because the NFL wanted to bring more excitement to the game and basically, in my mind, put more uh, uh, behinds in the seats. So people like the deep ball. They like the big plays. And uh, the rules have allowed these quarterbacks and wide receivers to run free, you know, tackling, uh, which I'm all about safety. But even just the correct hit, is getting flagged. So, really, you got defensive guys just trying to, you know, basically play flag football and just get the guy on the ground. But um, the rules have made a difference. I still believe that the 5,000-yard rule, uh, 5,000 yards that Dan Marino threw for in 1984, I'm like, that is the, like, benchmark, man. Mm -hmm. In today's football, the 5,000 yards that Dan Marino threw for back in 84, I think in this era of football, that is equivalent to, like, 7,000. Uh, 6,000 yards. I'm like, that's, that's how much I think the rules have impacted that have opened up the game so the quarterback should be throwing uh, for more uh, uh, yards.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think it's probably closer to 7,000 just the way that you can't do anything. With that in mind, Tyrone Poole watcher of the NFL, a guy that spent uh, 12 years backpedaling and going backwards and trying to read the receivers. Give me your three best receivers in the NFL right now.
8: Oh, man, you know what? I know everybody looks at, uh, you know, Cooper Cup and and everything. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I I, kind of look at uh, longevity of the history of a player. And when I look at the receivers that I truly adore and think they have a great history, I look at um, uh, my man out there with the uh, Raiders right now.
1: Adams, Um, Devontae Adams.
8: Yeah, Devontae Adams. Devonte Adams, he's one of my top guys. Uh, Justin uh, Jefferson, you know, I think he's pretty good. You know, back in uh, twenty uh, the twenty twenty season, you know, these guys were were like top of their uh, game. Mm-hmm. And Cooper Cup, even though he was coming on, you know, th- even the sports reporters uh, were talking good about him, but you know, Cooper Cup was not in the top ten uh in 2020 and then he has the phenomenal uh triple crown uh season and that ushers him up to the top you know even Julio Jones was in 2020 was ranked inside the top 10 but uh I would definitely go with um my guy uh Devante uh Stefan Diggs I really like that guy man he's a great uh route runner and I would probably say Uh, Justin uh, Jefferson with the uh, uh,
1: Vikings. uh, Another underrated guy from my team, I'm biased, but Keenan Allen, who went out in the game after having 70 yards uh, yesterday with a hamstring injury. He runs... uh, You look at the stats since they've been in the league, and he's got more yards and more catches than Devontae Adams. He just doesn't have the speed. He's not as uh, imposing, but he gets open and makes some great plays. Okay, we're up against the clock here. Where can they get a hold of you if they want to... uh, um you know get you for a guest speaker because you have a lot of stories and a lot of wisdom
8: uh definitely a lot of wisdom and then and, and that's what you're going to get uh, my purpose is to help uh, expose people to principal information that will change their life experiences because i do believe that life uh is a school <laughs> yeah. we're all taking classes uh but the key to passing those classes just like we took classes in college Uh, It's about getting that textbook that already had the markings of what that teacher was going to go over. So that's what I try to do. I try to look back on my life experiences through sports and on the field, off the field, and extract the principles through uh, my life stories to help people gain ultimate success so if people want to gain ultimate success uh, from principles that are proven that will work for anybody whether it's a corporate America uh, whether it's in uh, a higher education or if it's just some type of of function then if you're looking to be the best and you want the best then go to TyronePool38.com again that's TyronePool38.com send me your information saying hey Tyrone We want to be empowered with those principles because we want ultimate success. And if that's what you want, then I am your champion.
1: Thanks, man. We'll talk again soon. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, Mike. Appreciate you guys, man. Go uh, Rough Riders. Yeah, go Riders. We need all the help we can get. Two and six in our last state. When we come back, we'll hear from the head coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson. Get your texts humming 936 6262. It's the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. And welcome to the Sports Cage. The actual show is brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. This portion. Of our show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, who have gotten on board with our friend Craig Dickinson. The Craig Dickinson Show. Uh, Craig, uh, I'm happy you're just around to take calls. That, where does that flu rank among the sickest you've been?
9: That, that ranks up right near the top, Ballsy. I, I think that was as sick as I've ever been for a 12-hour period. So that, that's right up there with the best of them.
1: Now uh, we got a couple of texts, Zinger. Just read one. Uh, just kind of, uh, we got some text, Coach, with regards to the flu. So I'm going to get you to describe it, but it just in the, in the true nature of this, we'll let the text uh, ask the question. So go ahead, Zinger. Yeah,
2: Peter was wondering uh, just how sick uh, were you on uh, Saturday, Craig. And another text from uh, Heather in Ottawa asking, uh, could you talk a bit about the logistics of the health situation on uh, Saturday?
9: Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be able to answer too much on the health situation. Um, I'll try. But I was I was pretty sick. I got sick in the evening, and I thought it was something I ate because, um, yeah, you know, I have had food poisoning before, and I thought that was what it was. Um, but after about two or three trips to the bathroom, throwing up, I knew it was probably a little more than that. So I called the trainer probably about 10.30 at that time, and he informed me that I was one of about four guys with the same symptoms. So then that's when I knew, oh, boy, there's something going on here a little bit more than just just food poisoning. Uh, and I was sick probably till about 7 in the morning. I finally was able to sleep at about 7 in the morning. And thank goodness I didn't have to play. You know, I feel really, really proud of the guys that did play. I mean, I talked to our training staff this morning, and they told me there was 28 players and coaches. That was the final number, 28 of us. We're messed up
1: Okay, 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 wait a minute I'm really proud of them Yeah, and I am too Wait a minute here So, this is what I don't understand And I took some texts from people and tweets So, and I know you can't exactly speak to why it happened, but like, we're all worried about COVID, and as we should be, I guess, you know, now it's we've all been vaccinated and everything, but in the in the early portion of it, we cancelled the season, we wear masks, we still wear masks on the plane and everything like that, but we're going to make a football team that has 28 guys that are sick play? Did you guys try to stop the game or postpone it, or or what happened there? No,
9: I mean, I don't think 28 were sick at the game. I mean, I think when it was all said and done, there was 28 of us that ended up getting it sometime between when we left on day four to to this afternoon. So yeah, during the game, I think we were down six. Um, Again, we don't want to make any excuses, because that happens, and it is what it is, but uh, it was a tough uh, tough pill to swallow, and we, we knew we were going to play the game. Uh, there's just so much more involved, honestly. That's the one thing I've learned over this season. You know, we had the COVID outbreak. We had this thing happen, and the reality is there's a lot of moving parts going on. There's a lot of money that's been invested in televising and putting on a game, and the reality is <laughs> sometimes the players and coaches aren't, aren't going to have the final say on that you know it goes above our pay grade and and so we knew we were going to play the game we knew we were going to have to put a team out there and we did the best we could to keep everybody safe if a guy could not play we didn't make him play um and uh we had about six guys that couldn't finish the game and, and that's fine you know we'll, we did the best we could with with what we had
1: you want a cfl story folks here's a cfl story and coach could probably back me up so Our president, Craig Reynolds, is at home, and he gets a call from from Coach Dickey and he tells me on the bus, this is Reynolds telling me he thinks that the coach is calling him to say that Cody's, gone into la- uh, Cody's wife has gone into labor that's what's happening so he doesn't immediately address the phone call then he gets to the phone call realizes that you're calling him Craig to tell him we need some reinforcements so he picks up Blaze Brown and Diego Alatorre Montoya the draft pick from UBC from Mexico City and drives them in the truck to Winnipeg, gets them to the game nine minutes after kickoff. Blaze Brown has two breakfast sandwiches, puts on his equipment wow. and plays football. That is unbelievable.
9: Yeah, how about that? Uh, you know, hats off to Craig Reynolds. He said he said it was his finest display of driving he's had in many years. He said he felt like he was on a NASCAR circuit. You know, he was in and out of traffic and rolling. So hopefully, hopefully the, the the radar didn't get him. But yeah, he uh, he brought two players. We flew in Dolagala who was getting sick literally in the plane on his way to the game. So it was just a darn mess. Oh. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we got it out. I know we did a thorough clean of the entire building yesterday. They're coming in today to do another thorough clean. And we just we told the players stay away for the next two days, and we'll see him tomorrow. And hopefully. Hopefully we got this thing in the rearview mirror.
1: Okay, so yes, you don't want to make... Sometimes people here, they say it's excuses. Uh, I've been sick where I've had things happen to me at both ends at the same time. And all I wanted to do was get some Gatorade and get back into bed and do nothing. Guys ought to play football. So sometimes they're excuses and sometimes they're facts, Coach. But at the end of the day, are you, are you... Like things have been going pretty well for you till this year. Are you like at some point in your heart hearts going, what else can go wrong this year
9: well i I don't knock on wood. i don't know quite you know what else, although Cody's wife is expecting a baby this week, so let's keep let's keep our fingers crossed. It happens before game day um no it's you know, in the big picture of things, I still realize, boy, we're lucky to be doing what we're doing. I'm lucky to have the job that I have and the community that, 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 uh, that I live in and I I feel very fortunate, but it has been a challenge to say the least to put, put, you know, put our best team out there and, and play our best football. We haven't done it, but hopefully, hopefully everything will be sweeter in the end because of this adversity. That's, that's what you know. That's what we're keeping our fingers crossed
1: for. Coach Dickerson joining us here. You could text us at nine three six sixty two sixty two. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up though. So you mentioned Cody Fajardo. Judging by your comments, the baby hasn't arrived yet. He and his wife Laura don't have their son. I believe they're gonna call him Luca. He told us. So so the son isn't here yet. Uh, that's the like if if this thing if this thing happens on uh, Friday night, he's he's not playing. Like what what are the plans here? <laughs>
6: Yeah, well,
9: we we're hoping. We, I think I think Cody will play, um, unless for some reason Luca decides to show up on game day right about kickoff. You know, and if that if that's the case, we're gonna let him let him be with his wife and and and, and welcome his newborn into the world. We um, you know we feel like football is pretty darn important and it's what we get paid to do. But having a baby and, and being a father, I think Trump's Trump's even a football game. So we're gonna keep our fingers crossed that that the baby's born either before the game or after the game but if for some uh, reason, and you know, God's will that baby comes during the game, we'll have Mason Fine and Jake Doligala will be our two quarterbacks.
1: Coach Craig Dickinson, your, your, your team is sick. You're trying to hang on. At one point, there was a glimmer of hope with Elford, and I'll get to that in a second. You're, you're kind of down by 10, and then the, the, the wheels kind of fall off the wagon, and, and understandably so, and you've just described what happened. Um, how, uh, how ticked off are you that uh, Mike O'Shea throws a touchdown pass at the end of the game, rubbing it in a bit there?
9: Well, I'm not going to get on him too much because I I understand, too, from his perspective, it might have been a run for all we know, and the quarterback read that the defensive end was coming down a certain way and pulled it and threw it. But I I will say this. At that that point of the game, I'll just tell you my philosophy. My philosophy when the game's clearly in hand is you try to shorten the game. You don't want guys to get hurt. And by scoring that touchdown, and I don't know if it's running it up or not, you know, they're they're trying to evaluate this quarterback and they're feeling pretty pretty good about themselves and it's okay, you know, it's our job to stop them. I'm never going to say that they should somehow take it easy on us, but I will say this when it's late in the game and you clearly won the game, you won't we're going to run the football and try to shorten the game because the last thing you want to do is get one of your guys injured or one of their guys injured by playing a game that uh you know, extends two or three plays when when uh, it didn't need to. So yeah. I'm not ticked off at him. I was I was disappointed we were going to have to do another kickoff because that's a dangerous play, at you know at that stage of the game. But it is what it is, and you you uh, you got to play the game till there's
1: zeros on the clock. You were very coy with the way you addressed the media at the end of last week, and even after the game with Luke. I like one of the things I like to work on in this business is listening to people. So you can correct me if I'm hearing it wrong, but you were you were kind of talking about how without saying it word for word it's interesting how the bombers get a lot of the calls and you said hmm, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to study and see what they do uh in terms of getting calls do you feel like the bombers get i'm not saying you're i'm not suggesting and want you to say that refs are favoring the bombers but it does kind of look like they get away with some of the things i'll give you one example i'll give you an example your quarterback scrambles for a first down, goes down, and there's a tic-tac-y hit with Hallett coming over top of him. It was initially called a penalty, then command center changes it. Pete Robertson pushes a guy no more flagrant than what happened there, even less flagrant. At the very least, it's, it's mono a mono. It's apples and apples, and you guys get the penalty. Do, do you not, are you not over there on the sidelines scratching your head sometimes?
9: Yeah, sometimes I am, but the I will say this. The only thing we can control is ourselves, you know, and I think the more you uh, focus on why why is somebody else getting a different deal than yourself, I think the more unhappy you are in general, and I think the less ability you have to fix the problem. So I'm I'm not even focusing on what the other teams are doing at this stage of the game. We've got to figure out a way to play cleaner ourselves, and if that means less penalties for us and more penalties for the other guys, great. If that means we still get more penalties than the other guys, but we're getting less than what we've been getting, I'm okay with that. Because we just got to find ways. And a lot of it is technique. It's You know, you hear discipline and all that stuff. The reality is uh, discipline plays a a role in it, but technique plays a bigger role. And if if we do a better job with our technique, a better job with our decision-making, especially at the end of the plays, I think we can cut them down and uh, and i know this i'm just going to focus on our our business not worry about what other teams are getting called or not called for and i i hope by you know games 16 17 and 18 we're able to turn the corner on this and not give up that those hidden yards which can really cost you in close games that game we were going to lose that no matter what the way we played but yeah we certainly want to make sure that when the games get closer we're doing everything we can to gain an advantage and that includes taking less penalties
1: okay but i'll let it go after this one i gotta ask you this okay do you work the refs do do other coach works the refs and by that i mean behind the scenes calling because i know mike o'Shea works the refs he phones he asks about this penalty why this wasn't called why that wasn't called do you do that yeah
9: i do and i must not be very good at it because it doesn't (laughs) seem to be helping too much I, i talk with hackwood all the time him and i like, he feels like he's my best buddy right now, or or that, or that or my worst enemy. I don't know which it is, <laughs> but Darren's a good guy, you know, and, and Hackwood, he cares about uh, doing a good job, and I think under his leadership the officials have, at, at, at the very least, they're accountable for, for uh, what they do, and, and I know he holds them to a high standard. So I'm doing the best I can to try to get clarification on why this was called or why that wasn't. And, uh, you know, most of the times he just comes back and honestly agrees with me on a lot of things and says it's just human error a lot of times, and they're going to get some right and get some wrong, and, and at the end of the day, you just got to live with
1: it. That's Coach Craig Dickinson for his first segment. We'll come back with the rest of the Craig Dickinson Show. Your text welcome, nine three six sixty two sixty two. the Craig Dickinson, uh, Dickinson Show, pardon me, brought to you by our friends at McDougal Auctioneers. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back. Talking with Craig Dickinson, brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. This show on this Monday brought to you by Andrew Sherrod Limited. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. We'll get to a couple of your texts from the Capital Fort Lincoln text line. Coach, uh, you mentioned about kickoffs being dangerous. I love them because, not because they're dangerous, but because we get to see the return game in the CFL. Before I get to Alford, I want to get to Hickson. I asked you this a week or so ago. Are you worried about having with no real, um, like, Keenan LaFrance is a decent football player, but he's a glue guy. He's not going to take it to the house like a Jamal Morrow or like a Frankie Hickson. Are you worried on a roster having a guy as the off-returner and him returning it and taking that shot in his right hand uh, when, when you don't have that home run hitter in the backfield behind him?
9: Um, yes and no. I mean, I am a little worried about it, but at the same time, we got to try to put our best team
1: out there. So
9: um, I, I would have confidence with Keenan back there returning, um, but Frankie does give a little little extra juice back there as the off-returner, and so, you know, as long as he's healthy, we're going to keep him there and, and let him do his thing.
1: Man, he's a football player. I like watching him. Like, he definitely, is a football player.
9: Very, very explosive, runs
1: hard, very good football player. All right, let's get to our text line at nine three six sixty two sixty two. we got the coach for a few more minutes. we
2: got uh, Travis in Regina. He asks, what, did, uh, what do you think, Craig, of the big, uh, big hill Hit on Cody. Uh,
9: I don't remember the big hill hit specifically. I, I don't remember it being anything that was late. I, I can't really answer that.
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't remember that one either. Do you be remember honest. I, don't know. I don't remember one either. To be honest, no. I remember Halla's yeah, I mean, hit.
9: He did some short yardage at the goal line stuff, but that's just him diving, you know, over the top. So yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what our friend yeah. uh, was was mentioning there. Yeah, we try to go back on that at some
2: point we got Dale and Melford uh he's asking what uh what six guys did not finish uh the game due to the illness Craig uh
9: off the top of my head Dale um uh, it was uh James Tuck it was McKinnis. it was Schaefer Baker it was um uh Josiah St. John yeah um that was that's four of them and there was two other ones that were struggling
5: Jamal Campbell uh, was struggling yeah
9: yeah was finished but he he was in big trouble and then uh, uh who was it uh, aj allen was also in trouble so i think at the end of the day uh four didn't play and then two of them um we had to pull late in the game cuz they just couldn't they couldn't keep going
2: mm-hmm. uh, we have another texter here that says we hope uh you have a special plan for lawler also is it too much to expect uh, for Derek Moncrief to cover some of these receivers like Burnham, Dembski,
1: etc. Let me jump in first. Lawler is out with an ankle injury, so I don't think Lawler is going to be playing this game. So we don't have to. That's how we handle him. But yeah, Derek Moncrief, just uh, just uh, follow up on that one, Coach.
9: Uh, creep Creep can cover. There's no doubt about it. That's one of the things he does best. We just got to make sure we put him uh, in a good position. He's got to play his technique. So. I thought he played better this last game. I know Dembski got him in the in the Labor Day game, but I thought Creep did a better job of covering this last game than he did uh, the
1: first time. Coach, you talked you're talking a lot about technique in the last couple of uh, uh, weeks with regards to practice. What what can you guys do a better job of as a coaching staff? Because technique does that come down to how much does that come down to coaching?
9: A lot of it comes down to coaching, Michael and. and uh... What we're gonna do, we're gonna
1: excuse me, we're gonna
9: tweak our practice just just a little bit and spend a little more time in individual. I think sometimes in practice you can get a little too hung up on on reps in terms of O versus D, as opposed to just individual time where the defense is down working their individual techniques and the offense is down working their individual techniques. But that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna devote a little more time to technique. And the nice thing is when we get, you know, after this game here, we get a bye, and then the last four games are all regular seven-day prep weeks. And when we have a regular seven-day prep week, we have a little more time with that extra day of, of practice to, to incorporate some technique and some individual time where guys can just work on their craft and, and do a little bit uh, a little bit more on their own.
1: Coach, this is a huge game. I know you know that. But I mean, you look at it. it, Your team has lost four straight on home turf, which is crazy to me, given the success you guys have had. It's the first time you've been under 500 since you started your coaching career with this team as the head coach. When Kalaros went out on that hit by Lawrence and then you lost the next week to Ottawa. You haven't been under 500 to this point. So that's a nice stretch. (coughs) But you guys, I mean, you could finish Edmonton's uh, playoff hopes off and you gotta get back some momentum. Like this is, what's what's the message this week for the guys,
9: yeah, we got to play our best game this week, and um, I wasn't even aware this is this is four in a row. So we and we got to start taking care of business at home. So the message to our guys this week is we got to get our mojo back, and that means we got to have a good week of practice. We got to get healthy. I'm going to reemphasize to them that the things they do off the field are also part of, of of what we need to do to get our mojo back. Make sure that they're going to bed at night, getting nutrition. Hydrating, you know, focusing on football, not just when they're here, but when they're home as well and doing those little extra things that give you, give you an edge. And, and sometimes the most important meetings, Ken Miller said this to me is are the ones that happen out of, out of the offices or on the player's own time. The guys are out having dinner and talking about the game. Hmm. The guys are over at each other's house and they're watching a little extra film and discussing who the opponent is this week and, and how they're going to play this week. So, I think we just got to recommit and we got to get our guys to buy into the fact that, you know, this is their job and then they need to give it everything they got, not just the four and a half hours they're here, but also when they're home, you know, in their own time.
1: Was the defense sick? Because they played sick. That's the first time, that's the first time, man, that in three, four years where the defense, I, you know, they've been a mainstay, but they kind of let us down, couldn't get Winnipeg off the field. I've never seen a team score in almost every possession they had.
9: Yeah, I think it was a combination that we were down a little bit, and we're a little shorthanded. Losing Marino hurts. I know we it was the right thing to do, but it hurts because that's a big, strong dude up the middle, and we don't have Lanier either. So we we're really down a couple of D linemen, and we, we're going to try to bring bring a guy in this week. And I think I think also our guys just wore out. That was that was a game where I I felt like Winnipeg played as well as I've seen them play on offense. They were just hitting on all cylinders. When Zach was forced to make throws, he was bang on. When they were when they were running the football, they were they were pushing us around and knocking us off the ball. And then when there was you know fifty fifty balls, their receivers were physical and came came up with it. So I think late in the game we wore out. But I think it was a combination of one of our worst games on defense, along with Winnipeg's probably best game on offense, and they just yeah they just. They just put it to us. We couldn't get him off the field.
1: I want to end on two positive notes. I want to comment about uh, Cooper Richardson, who had waited his time, gets to play at right tackle. I noticed uh, an illegal procedure penalty against him. I know he was battling a bit of the bug, too. I thought, you know what, for a first game he did pretty well, but I'm not an O-line guy. What did you think?
9: Yes, he did do well. I don't think he didn't give up the sack, and I think he gave it maybe one pressure, maybe not even not even one. So Cooper Richardson did a nice job in that game, for you know, and he was – one of the guys thrown up in the locker room before the game. So he was sick as a dog as well. So for for his first pro start against really two of the best defensive ends you're going to see in the business to to play as well as he did was really saying something. We think – think he's got a bright future
1: ahead of him and i'll tell you what a uh, lot of heats uh you know maybe a little bit on this regime now and uh, some arrows pointed at jeremy oday but i will say this and i've said it for a few weeks that was an astute move to get a kick returner like mario alford that guy is uh instant field position and is something that uh well it, it's a great move
9: yeah is doing a great job i i, I wouldn't want to work for anybody else he's He's very deliberate in what he does. He makes moves for the betterment of the team. He's not going to be rash and, and, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And everything he does is designed to put us in a position to be successful. So I, I certainly, um, we're this is the team all the way around. We're all in this together, and we win and lose together. And we're going to get this thing turned around. We feel like we still got a good bunch. The nice thing is that locker room still. The guys are still coming in there and wanting to hang out enjoying being around each other. We just got to play better football. We got to get healthy and get the same guys on the field each and every week. And I think hopefully by the end of the year we're going to be still um, seeing seeing our, ourselves playing our best football by the end of the
1: year okay coach lastly to put a bow on this as we wrap this up okay health and everything aside what is the one thing that has to be constant for this team for the last stretch here and into the playoffs because i believe you'll make the playoffs but what has to be the one thing you hang your hat on
9: we got we got to play with great effort i mean that's the one thing we can control even if if you know, our technique's not as good as it needs to be our effort, Needs to be through the roof, and we got to play for each other. And I think if we do that, we're going to be fine. Win, lose, or draw. I think you still can can build off of teams that play hard and play for each other and play unselfishly. And I know that's always uh, a little bit coach talk, but it, it really is the truth. When guys play together and they don't worry about who's getting the accolades, and they block downfield at their receivers, and they do the dirty things that they need to do, I think you got a chance. So. Our effort level's been good, and I think it can get better, but I think that's the main thing. If we keep playing hard, I think we'll we'll find our, our strokes, so to speak, and I think we'll be all right. But we've got to keep playing hard, and we got to keep working hard, and that starts in practice.
1: Well, that's what I would say. I would say that. Up until the last game, and I throw that one right out the window, I don't even evaluate that thing. I just throw it away. I really believe that this team is still playing, still playing hard for you, uh, I'm not saying that because uh, I've already said we're friends, but I, you know, I've been critical of you too and, uh, uh, at times. Uh, you know, I feel fair, but I tell you this these guys are still playing hard, and let's hopefully we can tighten things up uh, starting Friday football weekend in Saskatchewan. Thanks, coach. Take care. Stay healthy, and I'll, I'll see you at a distance tomorrow, okay? That sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you. Take care. It's Coach Craig Dickinson joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. I believe that. I really believe that, Zinger. People will say, oh, Ballsy, you're just his friend. This team, except for that game, and you cannot, you cannot evaluate that game. Just throw that game out the window. I go by the last true game I watched, and they gave that one away to the best team in the league. I believe that this team is still playing hard for Craig Dickinson, but we'll see if that translates into some key wins in a playoff spot, because we're here to win. We're not just here to play hard. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Sherrod Limited on 620 CKRM. Glenn Suter joining us two to three times a week here on the Sports Cage and on our pregame show. We're happy to have him, Canadian Football Hall of Famer and Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee. And um, in his segment brought to you by Quality Tire with nine locations in Saskatchewan. Quality Tire. C A uh, suits that was a debacle, but given what I uh, have, you know, what I knew, but what was uh, reaffirmed to me here by Coach Craig Dickinson, the Riders did well yeah. just to hang in there, 37-20, uh, you know, against a very good Winnipeg Blue Bombers football team. I did, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest. My cutter man, Luke Mullender was okay with it because he said you got to play 60 minutes. I didn't like. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was unclassy of Mike O'Shea to run the score up, and that's exactly what he did. He ran the score up.
7: Yeah, the only the only alibi he has in that regard, and you know, we talked about it leaving the park as well. Was it really running the score up? Um, you know, I, I I hear you. I I think he he certainly they didn't play call differently, and but when he put his backup quarterback in, that's your alibi for saying, hey, we want our backup quarterback to continue to run plays and continue to run the offense and get valuable reps. So he's going to read the defense and throw the ball where he thinks he should be throwing it. And if that's a deep, a deep route, then that's a deep route. But, you know, I think when you put your backups in, you, you are sort of creating, uh, at least you're creating the possibility of a narrative that is, well, the backups are going to go hard because they always want to prove that they, they can be ready and they can be relied upon. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give them that, but I, Let's put it this way. We we discussed it, too. We thought, huh, I think that last touchdown, the last deep ball, yeah, that that felt like it was rubbing it in a bit.
1: That didn't go unnoticed on the plane, let me tell you that. And it reeks of 1989 when a Glenn Souter football team got smoked in Edmonton and everybody left them for dead. Now, it's a different situation in terms of uh, – you know sickness and some of the things going on with this football team but everybody left them for dead there's a different type of turmoil back in that day you were involved in that with the pass interference against Joe Galat the BC Lions but i i i throw that game out the window i still have hope for this team that defense was sick it was gassed and it didn't play well it was its worst game in 4 years um and that offensive line actually didn't do that bad a job against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All things considered, I thought Cooper Richardson stepped right in there, and he, as you heard the coach say, didn't even give up a pressure.
8: Yeah, I,
7: I thought uh, I thought he played well. You know, I and, and I know that the he probably I don't know if the coach named names, but I I heard that the offensive line were hit real hard yep. with this illness. Yeah, so you know when you're when you're you know three twenty three thirty. And on a, on a good day, when you're 100% healthy, you're going to lose five to 10 pounds. That's why they keep hydrated and they, you know, make sure they're at the top at the peak of their sort of workout cycle. And what I mean by that is just, you know, in the gym, lifting early in the week, um, you know, you lighten up your weights as the week gets on, you make sure you're, you're at peak performance level come game time. Now you throw in complete dehydration guys that were thrown up all night, offensive linemen that probably lost five to eight pounds before they kicked it off because of the illness. And that's how quickly it can happen with the guys that size, man, I I'm surprised they even hung on against a pretty darn good defensive line. So I, you know, I, I I think based on what we know now, and you know, we, like you said, we, we knew that there was illness going through the team, but we didn't know to what, to what degree and, and how many guys, and a lot of guys gutted it out. So you know, you go back to the game before, and then you add the circumstance to this game. Again, these are not moral victories. I'm I'm talking about losses that still hurt and still frustrate you. However,
3: you know, in that room,
7: just like '89, and I'll reference that, we knew we could beat Edmonton. We knew we could. They were 16 and two, but to a man in our room, we had beat them in the regular season. We had beat them in the preseason, and we thought, you know what, we can beat this team. They can say all they want over there. We can beat this team. And we felt that way. And I you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. if There's a lot of guys in the riders room right now that feel we can be, that they can beat the the bombers. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they you got to you got to play all three phases and you got to as you know, you got to be on your game.
1: Can you uh can can you uh bring some clarity to this cuz I asked coach this. Um, when you have guys sick like this, okay? Whether they spread it to the bombers or not. You just talked about being dehydrated, playing a physical sport, okay? We're not we're not speed walking here. No disrespect to the speedwalkers. Uh, but we're not speedwalking here. We're not mall walking. We're playing a physical, physical, violent sport with three hundred-pound men. The integrity of the game, not only in terms of safety, but in terms of the product that is in the stadium that people paid money for or are watching on TV, is there no way we could delay that? game given everything we've gone through with COVID, we couldn't have pushed it back one day we couldn't have uh it's not like we have 32 teams we only have nine to me it's hypocritical or can you bring some clarity to me on that
7: yeah you know uh, i think from just looking at the players and and what you know we've gone through with with protocol with COVID, that there may have been an, an opportunity to do that just based on that however you had a sold out stadium you had, you, you, you know, you have to negotiate and figure out the logistics of reimbursements and, you know, tickets to, 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 to the next, to the postponed date and how you're going to manage all that and how many of those people can't go to the new date but were there for, you know, the rematch on, on Friday night. So, you know, I, I, it's logistically a nightmare that they absolutely want to avoid at all costs and that's what they did even when it was COVID protocol. But from a player safety point of view, if, if you had guys that, if you have half your roster that could barely get up off of a bed because of illness, you know, I think there's precedent there enough that it's probably a policy they talk about in the future. I've never heard it. I've never seen it, Balzi, not once in my time in football playing or covering it as an analyst. Have I ever seen a game postponed because one team team was sick? Well, and and honestly, it's happened many times.
1: Yeah, and and so that's my problem with Mike O'Shea. Not your words, my words. That's my problem with Mike O'Shea. It's not like Glenn Suter knew, Michael Ball knew, Luke Muller knew, TSN behind the scenes people knew, the refs knew. You can't tell me the Winnipeg Blue Bombers didn't know the. Riders are sick and they're out here trying their best. So when you're when you're throwing a tie I don't care if the backup quarterback's in there, that's not apples and apples. And that's why I have a huge problem with what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did at the end of that game, and that does not go unnoticed. And I for one I know they get to play him one more time in the regular season, but I'm hoping. I'm hoping, as the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, they get the Bombers one more time in the Grey Cup right here to right a big-time wrong. When we come back, I'm going to ask Glenn Suter a couple of things, one that relates to Cody Fajardo. This is the Sports Cage for Andrew Shared Limited on 620 CKRM. Press press coverage with Glenn Suter. Great segment here. We love talking football with Suits, the lead analyst for TSNN. And- for football on TV in this country. Okay, Suits, so got this from Kip at nine three six sixty two sixty two. Ask Glenn Suter how we can stop that crossing route on defense and why we tend to play more man than zone, and maybe the pros and cons of either style. The
7: crossing route. So, so when Zach has the ball and he's that crossing route that intermediate sort of dig route Is that, is that, is yeah, that yeah, I th- yeah. Yeah. Or and
1: I think shallow crosser. Yeah. And I think they're even relating to there. There's that underneath where Dembski caught the dig and then the one where he crosses near the goalpost, he gets his first touchdown, right? Yeah.
7: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's a combination route. So there's a shallow crosser that, that goes across the formation right in front of the linebackers. Then there's that dig route that Dembski caught the touchdown that's that's the second level, so that's in behind the linebackers, and then in front of the you know for the secondary there's a post over the top, so it's it's called an over and under basically or that's the way we used to call it, and um, it's it's difficult in both man and zone because in in man you're chasing and you have to try and you know obviously speed wise keep up with a receiver that's crossing the formation in a zone. It's layered, so the idea is that it pulls the linebackers to that shallow crosser, and that's why that intermediate dig route is open because the linebackers have moved up in a zone look because they get they get tempted. Linebackers are we used to say we train them like seals because they're you know they just yeah. they they re- react to sudden movements and um, you know so they see that cross in front of them flash and they jump it. And that opens up in behind him. If the DBs in the back end jump that crosser next, the deep one to Dembski, then the post behind them is opened up. And Zach can see all of those targets in a row. So it's it's one of the toughest ones. It used to be that you eliminated the crossers by hitting the receivers as they crossed the field. Can't do that anymore. Again, this is rule changes over the last five to ten years that has eliminated the chance after 5 yards for linebackers and DBs to step in front of those crossers and stop them from going across the, the field. So you just have to basically either in man looks pass them off so the corner would pass his guy off to the halfback who would then and you switch if it's quick enough or you just got to stay with your man and stay in te- inside technique hard and you know make them force them to start running outs and corner routes because you're playing so hard inside technique and
1: so it, and you need, and you need a pass rush. If you get a pass rush, then that throws everything off and that's something the riders didn't have. Short on time here suits that's a great description. I want to I want to get to this. So we had some people uh, I I follow some people on Twitter and rider fans are like Why didn't we keep Kolaros? Look what happened. We let Kolaros go, and he's just—he's unbelievable. Always happens to the riders. And I'm like, well, Toronto didn't want him. Nobody saw this coming. Not even the Winnipeg Blue Bombers saw this coming. And Zach is having a great year. It's one of the most remarkable reclamation projects in the entire North American professional sports landscape in the last 20 years, if not the greatest. Because when he left that field, three plays into the 2019 season on that cheap shot hit from Simone Lawrence, not only was his football career in doubt, his life was in doubt. What kind of quality of life could he have?
7: Yeah, you're bang on. This is this is the comeback of all comebacks. I mean, his his win loss record. Now, you know, again he he sometimes remember that question you asked me. I don't know, it was a month ago. You said, what's more important, your your quarterback's play or your quarterback's relationship with the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff? Mm-hmm. And it, it it was it was an interesting dynamic because if you if you find yourself in the right connection your your quarterback coach your offensive coordinator your head coach and you are in sync top to bottom with all that confidence then you have your best chance to to succeed at the level that that Zach is succeeding and then your skills take over and you show what you can do if if that and I'm not suggesting Cody in this relationship isn't ideal I'm saying that that's what was part of the combination of Zach and his great success. Yes, it was his ability to do the things athletically that he can do. It was also his commitment to studying the nuances of Canadian football, which was deep, believe me. And that combination with him and first Lapelise, then uh, Buck Pierce, and certainly Michael O'Shea. He will not play anywhere else the rest of his career but Winnipeg as long as Michael O'Shea is there. That's telling you something about how important that relationship is.
1: And lastly, uh, we got a minute. Uh, it was a great presentation. Zach Kalaros gave the game ball to Sarah or- Orleski, a teammate of yours. Sarah leaves to go work for the Jets, a mainstay in Winnipeg. Just a comment on Sarah Orleski.
6: Well, yeah, first
7: of all, um, you know, I know there were some fans that probably said, okay, that's, that's a lot of Sarah stuff in the second half of that game. It was a 20-point game, 20-point lead. Uh, it did give us an opportunity. If it was a closer game, we wouldn't have gone – nearly that deep into saying goodbye to Sarah but you know Sarah is the consummate pro and she's inspired so many young women and young girls that that are now looking at her and looking at her career and saying why not me maybe I could do it if I work really hard like Sarah did maybe I could do it she earned the respect of every player and coach in the league she was the consummate pro and and again like I said on the air the the best compliment I can give anybody involved with this game is that you're a great teammate. And she's always been a great teammate. We showed you a clip of her coiling coils and picking up cameras and, you know, moving all the big heavy bags and you know, she she did what it takes. If you handed her a broom, she'd clean the truck after the game. And so would I. And that's what makes, you know, a good teammate. You're willing to put your ego aside and, and you know what? She's always been that. She's been a great teammate.
1: Well said, Glenn. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for your time, man.
7: Okay, Ballsy. Take care. Thank you.
1: That's Glenn Suter on Press Coverage. We'll be joined by him tomorrow. I am going to ask him that question about Cody tomorrow, if it still stands. And I'll just hold that. We call that a tease in the business. When we come back, we'll talk to... One of the great guys in Rider Nation, Keith Willoughby, with his CFL simulations, and we'll hear from Wavel Star, too, the First Nation sensation, great wrestler. This is the Sports Cage at six twenty, CKRM. Welcome back to the Sports Cage, brought to you by Andrew Shared Limited. Thanks to them for getting on board. I'm Michael Ball, my great producer Sean Kleisinger, and Monday Night Football is about to kick off. Two big names in the booth. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, their first broadcast. Larry Fitzgerald's been added to the panel. I didn't forget how good he was, but looking at second all-time in receiving yards and receptions, never won a Super Bowl. That was really... That one where him and Kirk Warner. Uh, hey. Kirk Warner bombs it to him. He goes down the field. Actually, it wasn't a bomb. He splits the defenders and runs it all the way for a Super touchdown. Bowl Forty-three. Watch, I remember. Watching himself in the big screen just to make sure nobody can catch him. And then that unbelievable throw... By uh, Ben Roethlisberger in the back back of the end zone. Was that before or after he shot himself in the leg? I think it was after. I don't know. I think it was that's before. A, that's before, a good question. Before, and then he would shoot he, himself he, in the leg. He
2: went on to lose one against the Packers too. Three years, are some, two years. There, later.
1: there are some real losers in sports. Like there are some losers. Like we make, we say, oh, Garrett Marino this, Garrett Marino that. I'm not sticking up for him, but like if you think Garrett Marino's the only guy, like give me a break. Let's go to the uh, uh, Western Pizza Hotline now. Dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order. Western Pizza, Keith Willoughby. He is the dean of the Edwards School of Business at the U of S. He is a Saskatchewan Rough Rider fan, and he does CFL simulations. Keith, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony, Uh Keith, I don't know how you feel, but given what we know now about what the Riders went through, I think we just forget that game. Just forget that game. And in fact, that's where your computer will all be messed up because there's no input for stomach virus, mass stomach virus.
6: Yeah, I might have to incorporate that in next year's version of the model, but I agree with you, Ballsy. To me, that's one where you hit Control-Alt-Delete. It wasn't a true reflection of the Rough Riders, the composition of the roster, nor the talent on the team.
1: Yeah, so your computer... The worst uh, Labor Day rematch loss in the history of that game, 18 games now. Riders are 7-11. and 11. Uh, What is our uh, uh, record going to be now, according to your computer with the flawed stats? In terms of, yeah, you because, know what I mean. You know what I mean.
6: I know. The computer with the flawed stats right now, it's obviously it's because it gives more weight to the most recent game, which was a 34-point margin of loss against the Winnipeg. So right now, still projecting us to make the playoffs. Still projecting the green and white to finish fourth, but now with a seven and eleven record, so basically predicts us to win one more game in the regular season, which probably will be this Friday against the Elks.
1: Yeah, uh, so uh, who are we going to play in the East final or East semifinal? Because that's where we're going, right? East semifinal through the East
6: semifinal. Now going to Montreal. Montreal hot off a convincing win at home against BC. Ottawa, which was the uh, computer model's favorite team last year or last week for second place. Um, Ottawa stumbled against the Argos, so right now at Montreal for the East semifinal, then on to Toronto for the East final.
1: So, uh, yeah, what are our chances of making the playoffs, according to the computer, percentage-wise?
6: Really good, eighty-three percent, so about a five of six chance that we make the playoffs. So, still really comfortably sitting in the playoffs. Um, you know, Edmonton, we will eliminate the Elks from playoff contention this Friday, and you look in the East. Um, I don't see, I don't see two teams beating out the the riders. So to me, you know, give me Montreal that might make second place, but I think we can take Ottawa and Hamilton. So I'm we're comfortably in the playoffs. That's
1: what I'm saying. Take your computer aside for a second, and I appreciate these. These are cool. I mean I'm not a stats guy per se, but I like this and you're a very knowledgeable guy and you're a rider fan, so you're a welcome addition to the show on a weekly basis. But honestly if they can just shore up some of the stuff, the defense let us down for one game in four years. I thought the old line was better than I thought it would be, especially with now that we know they were all sick or most of them were sick. Um, we're getting our weapons back. Um, I don't know man, I, I think it's a coin toss east final you you I think you win an east semifinal, which the riders have done before, and you go and you win uh, you know a, a coin toss game for the east, and I'll tell you what, man, you give me the Winnipeg Blue bombers on home turf in a great cup, and I'm betting my house on the rough riders
6: well, yeah, of the path that you're tra- traject- the charting for the team right now because to me it's it's one that it's it's entirely plausible and really possible for the green and white. Give me one other team in CFL history that has had to deal with a COVID outbreak. Give me one other team that has had rampant, uh, rampant stomach flu prior to a game, and the the um, the tremendous onslaught of injuries that this team has had. Um, yeah, I know I can make excuses and excuses and all that, and if, if ifs and buts or candies and that's would all have a Merry Christmas. But I gotta say, at the end of the day, I look at this team right now that is poised for high performance in this in this last part of the season yeah i know we got to go to winnipeg again i know we have a back-to-back against calgary but come on give me a break this team right now frankie hickson is averaging over seven yards a carry you've got great receivers now you've got depths that um uh, obviously throughout the the defense Mario alford is a is a threat every time he touches the football so to me, I give me the Riders in a three-game tournament for the playoffs, and I like the way we're going.
1: So let me ask you a question. You're a smart man. You're very knowledgeable. Uh, I just, uh, for part of my life, to- told fart and uh, you-know-what jokes for a living, and now I'm doing sports, but I'm asking you this, okay? Do you do you see this uh, situation with Garrett Marino, first off, and, and I listen to the coach say, we, we, we missed him. It was the right thing to do, but we really missed him. I've talked to players both on and off the record who have told me they're not a better team. He's released on the same day a memo comes out from the commissioner saying, I can revoke anybody being signed anywhere. To me, that just, re- I'm reading tea leaves that say say to me they were forced to get rid of him.
6: Oh, absolutely. I, I think to me, you, you got to put two and two together here and you get four, definitely. Uh, you see a case where. Uh, you- was made at a, at a very curious time. You got the memo from the league. Um, yeah, to me, it points to that situation of, of having um, a teammate uh, that was, was, uh, was viewed as a, maybe a liability that was no longer maybe deemed an asset to the team. Uh, I guess, as a fan, what I never know is, is what goes on in the locker room. You know, I, I see the performance on the field, I see the camaraderie on the sidelines. But it it, it is curious when the commissioner puts out a memo to that effect, leading us to believe that there's some uh, higher power influence here.
1: Well there were there nobody I've talked to is happy he's gone. Nobody. Everybody's like we miss him. He's my brother. He's a good guy. Uh you know so uh, it's it's interesting. I'm not sticking I I just find it very interesting and we get into a pick and choose society where we're canceling this guy but letting that guy stay uh, stand around. It gets very dangerous. Here's the other one I get from fans. Look what happened. Look at the riders. They did it again. They got rid of a guy they got rid of a guy, and look at him now. He's 24-3 and three as a, a starter. I said it earlier. I would suggest nobody saw this coming, because if they did, the Argos wouldn't have traded Zach Kolaros to Winnipeg. Winnipeg didn't even know it would turn out like this.
6: No, I, I think um, nothing against Zach Kolaros' ability. and uh, He's had a profound um, record with Winnipeg, but you look what he, he did with us in 2018. Uh, injured occasionally. Um, but to me, you give uh, Claros a quarterback, put him in Winnipeg, give him an offensive line which is stacked, give him Andrew Harris to hand off the ball for two of the three years that Claros has been with, with Winnipeg. To me, I'm not trying to discredit what Claros has done, but he's had the luxury of superior talent on the offensive side of the ball. He's had the luxury of, uh, of a defense which has is, is risen to the occasion. Um, yeah, to me, this isn't the case where I'm not crying over any spilled milk here. Uh, We made the situation occurred with Claros. Remember the opening game of the, the second play of the 2019 season against Hamilton. That case has been written. I'm happy with where we're at right now, and I don't feel any ill will or any spilled milk towards the Claro situation in Winnipeg.
1: We had Kyle Borson on here, who unfortunately wrecked his knee in that Rams game and will be out for the year. But he was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber draft pick. He told us the classless way that Mike O'Shea cut him. Told him to go by the, you're gone. It's not working out. Go pick up your bag on the sidewalk. See ya. That's basically how the release was. So there you go for culture. I'm going to tell you this right now. And I, yeah, I sound bitter because I'm the rider, voice of the rider. That was I've played sports, I've coached sports. That was as classless and a Bush league move to run the score up. And you could say they put in their backup quarterback, and it's true, Glenn Souter did say that, but they threw it to their starting receiver, Dalton Schoen. So not all the backups were in. That was Bush League, because Mike O'Shea knew that team on the other sideline was together with WD forty and duct tape because they were sick. That that's garbage, in my opinion.
6: All I gotta say is. Karma, karma, karma. Who knows? You know what, uh, what might happen later on? Later on in the season. By the way, the computer model is projecting the Winnipeg to finish sixteen and two, which is the same record the Eskimos from Edmonton had in nineteen eighty nine. We all know what happened that year.
1: Yeah, they smoked the Riders on the last game of the regular season, and uh, and then you know we know what happens there. Um, yeah. So uh, what what do we got? You you got the Riders uh, beating the Elks this week. What's the model there say?
6: Now, the model is giving the riders a comfortable chance of victory here. 77% chance, according to the computer model, that the riders get back to 500 um, by going to 7-7 and 7 on the season. And we'll see what happens after that. Um, you know, Winnipeg right now really favored by the computer model primarily because B.C. is tanking. B.C. is experiencing what we had in 2014 when Durant mm-hmm. got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. B.C. is, is, is basically um, a situation where the computer model doesn't like them at all. Winnipeg. Calgary off a big victory over Edmonton, picking up points in the computer model. But hey, we will be seven and seven on Friday evening, ready for the last four games and see what happens then.
1: Well, and of course, it's the kickoff the football weekend in Saskatchewan. We've got that game, and I know you love your youth sports uh, and amateur football. We got the Thunder and the Hilltops. We'll have that covered right here with our own Sean Kleisinger and Ryan Hall on the call. One to four special sports cage from four to six thirty, and then the nightcap. We got the young rookie quarterback. Um, from the uh, University of Regina Rams, Noah Pelche, who joins us on the show tomorrow. Great Indigenous athlete going up against Mason Nias, the Regina kid, inside track for the Heck Craig. would have to say almost 800 yards passing and six touchdowns so far in two games. That is going to be an outstanding weekend of football.
6: Uh, great job by the um, by the Rough Riders to really market this to really showcase what football means to the good people of this province to have a tremendous opportunity. For talent to be displayed at the junior, university, and professional levels. Keith, thanks for
1: your time, man. I appreciate it. Have a good day and go, Riders. Yeah, Keith Willoughby, uh, the dean of the Edwards School of Business, watching the Seahawks and the uh, Broncos. Seahawks or uh, Broncos just run out of the field. Russell Wilson booed by the fans, forgetting that he won them a championship and almost two of Pete Carroll and Daryl Bevel. That's pathetic. Knew what they were doing, calling a play. In that second Seahawks Super Bowl. fans. Come on. Well, you know what's pathetic? The Seahawks' lime green jerseys. Are Are they wearing those those tonight? Those are the worst unis in the league. Are they wearing? Oh, my God. Yes, that's the... They look like... Remember the old Orlando Thunder that Don Matthews used to coach in the World uh, Football League? Yeah. That's exactly what they look like. Awful. Just awful. And you know who else is awful? Geno Smith. I can't believe that. They go (laughs) into a year... With Geno Smith as their starting quarterback. Like, what are you doing? Well, he just sailed the seam route to Tyler Lockett for a first down. Oh, good job. Hey, when we come back, we'll wrap up. We have a segment that we are going to do once a month, and I'll get to that in a minute. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Yeah, we're getting to a new segment here. This is the music we're going to use. But I got to tell you, Geno Smith slips out of a sack. Throws a pass to Osley, the tight end. He runs for about 30 yards down the left sidelines, uncontested. And this lime green-wearing Seahawks lead, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, 7-0. I hate the Denver Broncos, and I hope Russell Wilson sucks this year. Yeah. I don't like him.
2: I don't like the Broncos either.
1: That's right. I'm your professional broadcaster here in the sports cage. (laughs) Uh, So uh, once a month, I want to do this here on the show. I want to highlight indigenous sports personalities we're calling this the indigenous sports personality of the month okay could be a player could be a coach could be a builder in this case it's my former regina rams teammate and wrestler Wavel star who is how old are you now Wavel?
10: hey hey i am 48 years old my friend
1: you should have you seen pictures of this guy zinger i have Un- he's got veins in his quads. Like I he remember. Looked- his- I remember he, he, uh, yeah, he was in
2: the WWE for a bit. Yeah, I, he was on, I he, yeah,
1: a, a short cup of coffee there. He was in a couple of dark matches, like, you know, before they go to TV. I don't know if mm-hmm. he, I think he made one on TV. Did you make one on TV? He's here. We could ask yeah,
10: him. I was, I was on Heat several times. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, on, I was on Heat like three or four times. I Sunday think. Night and Heat. Vel- yep. Vel- yeah, and, and Velocity was the was the pre-show before yeah. uh, SmackDown. So I did both of those. Uh, Several times and then I also did the dark matches. Honestly, I I really like doing the dark matches even though you don't have the video of it Uh, to be the very first person to come out the curtain that counts for something even if they don't know who you are. Everybody let every head turns. Like as soon as you walk, as soon as you walk through that curtain, you just see every head turn towards you, and that's something else.
1: Well, wow, you are you are a good man, and you're still doing it. I thought you were going to give it up. Like I thought you were going to be behind the scenes with organizing and writing shows and choreographing. But why are you still doing it?
3: <laughs> that was the plan, and everything
10: was going good. And then I guess part of it is that I've been doing the hockey dad thing for several years, and. Uh, was even you know coaching here hockey Regina for a couple of years right there before the pandemic, so that really took over it's a, quite a big commitment uh, to do that with all the practices and the games and then plus my full time uh, gig here as well right mm. uh, so it just I was too busy to really do anything and then uh, now my son is playing for Indigenous Sports Academy out of Saskatoon. yeah and uh, so of course I don't I spend more time watching them online uh, you know their games uh, online than I you know get to watch in person because they're traveling all over the place. Uh, so basically, I went from being having absolutely no time. Uh, to To feeling like a fish out of water, so i started i, I first thing I did was uh, get more uh focused on my working out and and my cardio. I realized that after the pandemic uh the aging thing working out and and all that stuff is great with the lifting weights, and even with the dieting, you can look great. Um, but no matter how good you might look in, in the mirror, like when you, well, the real test is when you start walking those stairs or when you get a jog or something, right? Mm-hmm. And I I realized at my age that uh, my cardiovascular um, it was going down, so I needed to work on that. And then also, ballsy, I'll tell you, man, the mobility and 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 honestly, it was mostly from complacency, man. You know, you you worked that gig, you know, whatever it is, eight till five, and. Uh, you know, you, you get busy with your career and be with, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, with the complacency, you don't necessarily push yourself. Uh, in those areas that, that you should like such as mobility and the cardio, yeah. so basically long story short, I was a fish out of water, and I just kind of started to get hungry again when, yeah. <laughs> once they started work once they start working out more
3: yeah. and
10: uh and then of course, that you know bringing us to here today uh there's a couple of really good opportunities so so first of all uh, i i when I first started wrestling, I hooked up with Tony Condello, and that's where I got some of my first breaks uh wrestling up north uh, on the infamous death tours um for Tony Candelo and he has uh taken the uh chance I would say at 48 years old for him to put his heavyweight title on me uh I take that as a badge, a badge of honor so I, I decided I'm taking this seriously uh while I'm doing this okay. so I'm going to do that death tour one more time And I got <laughs> you
1: I got you on for a reason I'm going to let Zinger ask you a question in a second but I got I yeah. got you on for a reason cuz you were at a very uh <clears throat> yeah. monumental place in a cool weekend yeah. tell us about that
10: yeah so this is the second reason that i was getting to uh i heard about this a long time ago because these kinds of shows they don't just happen out of the blue there's a lot of planning uh that goes uh behind the scenes so i had been made aware that uh the infamous venue where stampede wrestling uh what some of our generation grew up on here uh that they were going to have a couple of wrestling shows there and i tell you i have wrestled in that venue maybe three or four times in my 20-some year career and when I heard that I had the opportunity to wrestle there again, uh, then that just sparked my interest. And initially, I was supposed to wrestle with Teddy Hart. So right. I was... I was scared honestly <laughs> cuz knowing my my cardiovascular condition so I like I immediately started doing you know the high intensity sprints in the gym and stuff uh but you know with you know things happened or whatever politics happened and schedules and uh didn't work out that Teddy was uh, was not able to come so I ended up working up with working with uh, another young fella Who's up and coming uh, out of Red Deer, and uh, we ended up putting the strap on him, uh, and he was a hell of a—he's a hell of a, a, a talent—and he went over in the main event on uh, the son of Gamma Singh. Uh, oh. his, name is Raj, his name is Raj, and he came out with uh, Abu Izzal, who was the manager of the Crotchy Vice at the time, uh, and they were uh, baby faces. Yeah uh, so it was pretty cool. It was re- it was really cool to witness.
1: Tell me about Davy Boy's nephew. Davy Boy is it his nephew or Dynamite. his son? Dynamite, oh, Dynamite. Okay. Dynamite's nephew or son?
10: Yeah, I I texted you about this because I knew you would appreciate this. And I had to tell somebody, man. I had to tell somebody for what I witnessed. And, you know, when you 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 know when you see a star, uh, you know, like when you're at the rink and you see a young guy and you think, wow, this guy's going to make the NHL. Uh, I was there and I met this kid. And I knew who he was from my friend Bronwyn. That's Dynamite's daughter. And uh, this kid has been wrestling for not very long, but I saw pictures. And when I met him in person, I said, wow, he looks exactly like uh, the Dynamite Kid, just a younger version. Uh, And he actually wrestles as Tom Billington, which is the Dynamite Mm. Kid's name. Uh, And uh, so he he not only looks like him, but he has the exact same mannerisms as him, Wow! likely in his DNA, right? So you take that, and then he also, you know, he wears the same kind of of uh, the same gear that Dynamite used to wear back in Stampede, like not the British Bulldog gear, yeah. but, the Di- but the Dynamite kid gear from Stampede with like the stripes on the socks and the knee pads over the tights. And he looks just like him. And when he came walking out in that arena, I swear, I swear that there's some sort of a- an energy that was in that building. That uh, if you're really a fan uh, or, or really intuitive, that you would pick it up. And it was the, the combination of this kid with his natural gifts and his charisma in this venue that that had so much energy from wrestling heritage and and, and all of the the energy from from the, from the wrestling uh, historical battles that have went on over time. And I tell you, I, I went out and I usually don't because I'm old school and you're not supposed to go out in the in the, in the venue to watch. I, I broke that rule so I could go out, and I sat at the very top, uh, at the very top of the pavilion, and I watched, and I took it all in, and I, I swear I could feel those those good wrestling energy ghosts in that building. And, all right. And, and everybody that was there, they, he got a standing ovation, and uh, in fact, people were chanting "dynamite" and just randomly yelling out "dynamite" while he was playing. Nice. Yeah. Yes. So anybody like our age or or, or above. You could like it was. They were feeling the. They were. It was right in the childhood. Nice. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and, and, I, hey and I sent you a picture ball. Yeah. Where people were like
1: hugging. It yeah, emotional. it's awesome. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we got about a forty-five seconds. Zinger wants to ask you a question though. Yeah,
2: yeah, a big wrestling fan growing up. I want to say it was like two thousand three. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember one match on Heat. You were wrestling to uh, to Um yeah. First of all, am I right on that? And second of all, yeah. my second part, uh, who was your favorite wrestler to wrestle with uh, wrestle with, or work with in the WWE?
10: It would have been Tigeria, I would say, because he was the most uh, down-to-earth, and he didn't try to formulate any of my offense. Uh, when we were uh, getting together to talk about the match ahead of time, uh, he just he said go ahead and do your stuff and he didn't try to hold me back and, and In fact, he tried to make me look really good And he came up and asked me after w- what kind of feedback I got from the agents uh, And you know what what the, the chances were of getting me a job there because that's what he was trying to do So uh, so that was I'd have to say him uh, although there were several uh, Several other opportunities uh, of guys that I wrestled from up there that I really learned a lot from uh, but in terms of, of helping me out uh, I, I would say him because he really he didn't treat me like I was there to like what they call the perennial jobber. He didn't treat me like a jobber. He, tra- he treated me like professional and, and like he wanted to make me look good. Which, which of course maybe was counterproductive to what the producers maybe wanted but hey I'm the rookie there and I just listened to the veteran mm-hmm. and that's what he chose to do and uh, I was fortunate uh, for that and a few other times as well.
1: This guy made me look good in a couple of wrestling events. He's a great guy. The First Nation <laughs> sensation Wavel star. Wavel. thanks for this man. You're in our inaugural. We're going to do this once a month. Uh, indigenous sports personality of the month all the way that's from awesome. the amateurs to, to guys like this guys like you and you can help me line this up too because I know you got some I ties. Sure will. Thanks, man. Pre- sure will. Appreciate your time, man. Take care. Take
5: care. Have a great
1: day. Bye-bye. All right. That's Wavel Star joining us. That'll wrap up the show. Went a little over time, but it was definitely worth it. If you missed any of the show, spreads.ca sponsors the podcast. Check it out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Tomorrow we got lots going on, including Hex, Heroes and Zeros from Jeff Heck from last week in the CFL. Uh, We're also going to hear from Arash, Madani, Glenn Suter, and Ryder Practice as we see if they're healthy enough to go against the Edmonton Elks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Join
0: Sports Cage's Michael Ball for CAA Travel's Ultimate Sports Trip, December 5th to 12th. Leaving from Regina and Saskatoon, this trip includes a seven-night stay in Huntington Beach and tickets to two Anaheim Ducks NHL home games and two NFL games. The Raiders versus the Rams and the Dolphins versus the Chargers. Plus, a daily breakfast and transportation to and from the games. All for just $24.99 per person. Taxes included based on double occupancy. Drop by or call your local CAA travel agency to book the ultimate sports trip.